Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. You okay? Sorry, was that atrocious Scottish accent? I, um, I thought I'd uh, just run to the toilet and cry just for a second. How are we doing? We okay? Good, good. I have the privilege, I've got my chewing gum in as well. We'll save that for Christian for next week. <clears throat> hey, no, it's, it's good to see you uh, here this morning. It's good to be with you. Hey, uh, Christian is going to be popping in, but I don't think he's here just yet, so I, I get away with that for the first few minutes. But if you're new today, hey, it's great to see you. We're in the middle of this series called Make It Matter, which has just been phenom- phenomenal. Anyone else been enjoying this series so far? I have. And it basically hangs on this verse in James 4, verse 13, that says this. And now I have a word for you who brashly announce, today at the latest tomorrow, we're off to such and such a city for the year. We're going to start a business and make a lot of money. You don't know the first thing about tomorrow. You're nothing but a wisp of fog catching a brief bit of sun before disappearing. Instead, make it a habit to say, if the master wills it and we're still alive, we'll do this or that. So this series is based upon the realization that our lives are short. The more I go through my life, the more I realize that it passes by really quick. It's like Christian said a few weeks ago, like when I was a kid, people were like, I can remember, I can remember, a lot of you know my cousin Nathan, Nathan um, is over at our Mansfield campus and they used to live in London, his family did, and I can remember like being dead excited for them coming down to our house and I'd be like, oh, three hours, that is like the worst, what do I do, like, what do I do with my time, because I couldn't wait for them to get here, but now I realise that the older I get, the quicker time goes. It seems like... It seems like yesterday that me and my wife got married, and now here we are, nearly six years of marriage, two beautiful kids. And like, I couldn't imagine life any other way. It's just crazy. See, this, this message here in, in James, this Bible verse, it could seem like James is having a go at people who make plans. Let me tell you, that is not the truth. That's not what he's doing. But what he's doing is this. He's saying to people who just brashly announce arrogantly that I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. saying, look, the reality is you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. The thing is, I think I've realized that I can't affect what I did yesterday. And to be honest, I can't affect tomorrow. All I have is today. And uh, I've realized this, like I said, our second little girl, uh, well, our second baby was born, Willow, a couple of months ago. And it's amazing how quickly life changes, like from, from having no babies and then to having one and then to two, like life changes quick. And I was speaking to a client of mine a few weeks ago and we got together for a coffee and we were just chatting. I said, look, how, how are you doing? She went, well, I've had a really tough month, actually. Um, and, oh, why is that? She went, well, we, we had this great holiday, went to Florida with the family, came back, and um, unfortunately, my, my husband got diagnosed with cancer. And she said to me, she said these words, really interesting, obviously, with, with this series in mind. She said, I didn't know how, how much life could change in a month. See, the reality is, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I can't affect yesterday. All I have is this moment now. And what I can do is my best with today. That's what I can do. 
And I, as much as I hate to say this, I don't know how long I'm going to live. I don't know like how long my wife's going to live or our kids. But what I do know is that I can make this time now count. And what James isn't saying, he's saying he's not against vision, he's not against aspiration. God is for that stuff. But it has to be wrapped up in God. It's got to be wrapped up in our God-given calling. We don't just involve God in it. He's the center of it. See, our aspiration and visions and plans, they have to start on our knees, understanding where God is leading us. Arena. We want to make a difference. We want to make our lives count. And this means maximizing the time that we have on this earth here. See, the church isn't called to be the waiting room for heaven. We're called to go into the world and make disciples of all nations. See, this building is not the church. If you're new this morning or if you've been around a while, this is not the church. You are the church. We are the church. Wherever you go, you be in church where you are. We're called to make a difference. This morning, I'm going to be talking about making your story matter in our world. So let's go to 1 Peter 3, verse 15. It says this. Peter says, be ready to speak up and tell anybody who asks why you're living the way you are. And always with utmost courtesy. Keep a clear conscience before God so that when people throw mud at you, none of it will stick. They'll end up realizing that they were the ones who need a bath. It's better to suffer for doing good, if that's what God wants, than to be punished for doing bad. That's what Christ did definitively. Suffered because of other sins. The righteous one for the unrighteous ones. He went through it all, was put to death, and then made alive to bring us back to God. Now I want to come back to that in just a second. But... Before we go on, am I okay to be honest with you this morning? Is that all right? I feel like I'm in family. Can I, is that all right? I've got something to get off my chest. Is that okay? Look, here we go. I, I'm the meat master, okay? I love meat. Like, I'm crazy about meat. Like, from a succulent chicken breast, anyone like Nando's fans here? Yeah, from a succulent chicken breast all the way through to a big juicy burger, my word, I love it, okay? So when we had our little girl a couple of months ago, what you do when you first have a baby is like the first week or so, you're in quite a lot. And let me tell you, me and Helen completed Netflix, like finished it, okay? So I'm flicking through Netflix one day thinking, I've watched everything I want to watch, I'm flicking. So I get to like the documentary stage, like who gets that deep in Netflix? No one. And I'm there, I'm flicking through, and I see this thing called What the Health, and I'm like, I, I want to be a healthy guy. I want to check this thing out. So I started watching this documentary, and let me tell you, as I watched this documentary, it was like someone looking me in the face and saying I could never play football again. Or like someone looking at me and said, saying I could never kiss my children again. What this documentary, this disgusting documentary was saying... <clears throat> Is that meat's bad for you, <laughs> especially processed meat, okay? I was watching this thing and I'm just like dying inside. So me being the shrinking violet that I am, after I watched this, this DVD, this documentary, I proceed to tell everybody about it. Like everyone that needs to stop eating meat, that they need to go away from meat, that it's bad for them, that they need to, to stop eating burgers. Honestly, like you would have thought I'm like the sting of the Christian world, like Honestly, this unbelievable meat-free campaigner. So you need to know, last week, 
when I sank my teeth into this big, juicy bacon burger, I felt guilty. (laughs) Honestly, for like half a second, I felt guilty. And then I couldn't think anymore because the meat sweat started hitting me and I felt guilty. I need to be honest with you this morning. I am a hypocrite. I'm a hypocrite. See, I find hypocrisy funny, the idea of hypocrisy funny, because we all hate it, don't we? Yeah? But to some level, we're all hypocrites. We've had advised someone about their health while we don't look after ours. We've told someone to follow their dreams while ours lay dormant. We've told someone that we've been changed by Jesus when we live the same as everybody else. On some level, we're all hypocrites. See, Peter tells us in this verse, he says, be ready to speak up and tell anybody who asks why you're living the way you are. But what if no one's asking? See, two of the main accusations leveled at the church are that we're hypocrites and that we're judgmental. And those two are intrinsically connected. For us to judge someone immediately qualifies us as hypocrites. Like we've got it all together. Like we never messed up. Like we weren't a mess. Like we weren't hurting. See, people need to hear stories of God's grace, his forgiveness, and his saving power. See, if you were perfect, you did not need God. But God's power is revealed in your weakness, your brokenness, and your failures. See, we all have a story, and you're the only person with your story. You might say today, Josh, my story is so horrible you would not want to hear it. You might say, Josh, to be honest, I've lived a boring life. I don't feel like I've got a story. But let me tell you today, your story is unique. Your story is important. And your story has the power to reveal Jesus to people. So this morning, I want to reveal and explore the power of your story and how we can use our lives to point people to Jesus. I'm just going to have a quick drink. Unfortunately, I have man flu. Oh, just not. Oh, I'm the chewing gum. <laughs> Thank you, Eleanor. I have man flu. Does everyone, anyone feel sorry for me? <clears throat> I hear it's like nearly as bad as uh, giving birth. <clears throat> I said nearly. The first thing I see from this verse in Peter is this that the power of your story is not in your perfection, but in your restoration. So often we strip our stories of their power because we sanitize them to make us look better. See, it's human nature, like Michael Jackson said, that's I'm not going to sing it because no one joins in when I do. But we want to look better. We want to look like we've got it all together. We want to look like we can do it on our own. See, this is based on drawing praise to us. But we all do it, don't we? We try and make ourselves look better, like... Especially as a kid, I was a bit of an exaggerator. And we want to make the the situation look better. You know, as someone who who kind of tells stories quite a lot, sometimes it's quite easy to exaggerate. And that's something that I've tried not to do because that's not a good thing to do. But we want to make stuff look better, don't we? We want to make ourselves look better, our, our lives look better. We do this to some element. See, but this draws away from the power of the cross and the saving grace of Jesus. 
See, maybe the reason that your workplace, your friends and, friends and family haven't wanted to listen to your story is because they know it isn't true. See, we identify as the human race with imperfection. If you look at all the, the films shown, the biggest films, they're based on human imperfection. And people getting over imperfection by triumphing in the face of adversity. You look at the most unrealistic film and you will see imperfection in the film. Probably the most unrealistic film that Hollywood could put out, which is why they don't do it, is of a perfect person. Even Superman is conflicted. We identify with imperfection. See, people understand they aren't perfect. If I went across to Tesco this morning and did a poll and had a yes and no tick box and said, if you're perfect, tick yes, I don't think we'd have anybody tick yes. And those who do, number one, will probably be mentally unstable and the others would probably just be messing around. I could do it. No one thinks they're perfect, did they? Let's be honest. Apart from my wife thinks I'm perfect. <laughs> but we identify with imperfection. So if all the stories coming from, from Christians are sanitized stories about how good we are, then how that, sorry, then that will only turn people away. It'll push people away because they know it isn't true. See, the power of your story isn't you. It's what God did in you. It's his power made perfect in your weakness. Ephesians 2 verse 4 to 6 says this. Because of his great love for us, God, who's rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace you've been saved. See, God doesn't take the, the good and make it a bit better. God takes the dead and brings it back to life. Your story is not God taking you from being okay to being a bit better. Your story is God taking you from death and turning it so you can live again. See, if we're just talking, thank you. Come on, if we're going to do it, let's do it. You weren't good. None of us are good. What does the Bible say? Not one of us were good. We know that. Deep down, we know it. God doesn't take the good and make it a bit better. He takes the dead and makes it live. See, when we can be so confident in God that we can be honest about what he did in us, our stories gain so much more power. It might hurt. It might be a bit messy. But listen to me. Your story will reveal God to people. That's why I love it when Lisa stands up here and is so honest about her past because you know what? It reveals God to people because she's different now than what she was then. And like Paul says, his power is made perfect in our weakness. We need to be honest with the world around us. You know you aren't perfect and they know too. So let's not pretend that we are. We're made perfect by his grace the reason we're free is his power at work in us. Be liberated to share your story in all of its glory. Be liberated to be honest about it. You don't have to be worried about what people think of your past because that'll just point people to what God did in you. Share your story. See, the next thing I see from this verse, this message in Peter, is that we should speak from relationship. We should share our stories from relationship. See, a big reason why people far from God haven't listened to our stories is because of the way that we've told them. 
See, at times we've been rude. At times we've been mean. At times we've been judgmental. At times we've forced our views on others. There's been no relationship. See, if someone came up to me in the street who I didn't know and started telling me that I needed to listen to them, started telling me what I needed to do, started telling me that I was wrong, I'd say, listen, please go away from me. I don't even know you. But sometimes... As Christians, we feel like we should enforce our views on others. That's not the way to do it. We speak from relationship because relationship leads, uh, gives way to authority. And when you have relationship in someone's life, it gives you an authenticity and a realness to say, hey, this is what God did in me, and I believe he can do it in you. Again, Peter says, be ready to speak up and tell anybody who asks why you live in the way you are. And always with utmost courtesy. See, we've got to be ready to speak up about how we're living. And when we do, we need to share our story with courtesy, with grace, and with love, with the person in mind. See, Paul was amazing at doing this. The Apostle Paul, he tailored his delivery to his audience. What does he say in Corinthians? He says, I've become all things to all men, so that I might save some. What is, what's he saying there? He's saying, look, I kept the person in mind. He tailored his delivery to his audience. Now, I, I've seen people before on nights out, Christians, and, you know, they're kind of the first person doing shots at the bar, out of the face, that kind of thing. What I love about this verse in, in uh, Corinthians is that Paul goes on to say, but I kept my bearings in Christ. He didn't compromise his Christianity. Listen, we need to tailor what we're saying to our audience, but let's not compromise our Christianity. Let's keep our bearings in Christ because you know what? That will, um, that will be far better than you kind of uh, trying to get down on someone's level, doing the things that you know you shouldn't be doing. We need to do this like Paul. We all know that we listen to the people who we respect, the people that we love. And when someone is condescending, is rude, we want to run a hundred million miles. Let's not be this. Let's be effective. Let's love those people that we're talking to. Let's share our story with the love and affection it deserves. See, sharing our story with courtesy and grace highlights what God's done in us. When we judge the world or are offended by it, our influence is washed away. I think honestly, sometimes as the church, we're offended by the world. We're offended by people in the world. Let's not be offended by people in the world. Listen, they don't know Jesus. They've not got the moral code that we've got because they're not in Christ. Let's love those people in the world. I flipping love Jesus because he was around the worst of the worst. Prostitutes, tax collectors who were in effect robbers, sinners. They accused Jesus of being a glutton and a drunkard because he hung around with these people. He wasn't offended. Listen, if we're offended by people outside of this place, then all this will become is a holy huddle. What we need to do is this empowers us and this fuels us up to go for more, but we go into our world and guess what? When someone says a word that we don't like, that's okay because we're not saying them. If someone's living a way contrary to the way that you would, would say is the best way to live, that's okay because they're not in Christ. I, I, in, my last, um, in my last workplace, 
I had the privilege of bringing uh, all, all the guys um, from work here, apart from one guy. Uh, there was only two people in the office, and now I'm in a check. There's only me and one other guy. <laughs> that would have been a great story, actually. <clears throat> I brought everyone. But I had the privilege of doing that, not because, not because um, I, I was this super holy guy who floated into the office. I did that because I wasn't offended by the way they were living their lives. And they said to me numerous times, Josh, we listen to you because you're not judgmental. And you know what happened because of that? That opened up opportunities for me to speak into their situations because they would come to me and say, what do you think? If you're offended by the world, let me tell you, your influence is washed away. Let's not be offended by it. Let's love people. Let's be there for people. Let's share our story with love and affection. I've worked in sales, and, and in sales there's a big question around KPIs, which stands for Key Performance Indicators. And the problem is, the question is around KPIs, and the idea around KPIs, first of all, is that if I make 100 calls and I send 10 emails, then I'll make one sale. Well, that's the idea. The problem is is that salespeople get so focused on the KPI that they forget about the most important thing, the sale, yeah? So they send 100 week, uh, make 100-week calls, send 10-week emails, and don't get the sale because the activity's been poor. But I think in church we're a bit like this as well. <clears throat> I think our witness has been there sometimes. I think that we've, we've got ourselves so worked up that we need to tell people and we need to do this and we need to do that that we've, we've just done this machine gun approach to the gospel. It's like, you walk into your workplace and you need Jesus. You must come to Jesus. We know, so come on, if you know a Christian like that, chuck your hands up, you know. And no one, no one wants to admit it. Chris, Chris Stockdale's like, it's Chris. Joking, if you know Chris, you know that's funny. <clears throat> I don't even know where I was. <laughs> See, I think we've been like that with our, our witness at times because we've been so, we've took it like to us instead of to people. We've made it about making us feel better about telling people about Jesus. So we've, we've told as many people as possible, we've done this and we've done that. And it's kind of been about, more about the activity than it has the person. Listen, if you tell one person a week and you just share your story with love and with affection, that will do far more than enforcing your views on other people. What we need to do is be ready to share our story with courtesy, with love and with affection. That's what God's calling us to do. See, I'm not saying we're selling Jesus. I'm not saying that. We don't want to sell Jesus. But what we do want to do is reveal Jesus to people wherever we go. People get so worried about sharing the faith, about sharing the story. They get worried because they might not know all the theological elements of the Bible. They might not know about the dinosaurs or, you know, I've, I've heard it all. You know, people asking about the dinosaurs or about Adam and Eve or that kind of stuff. Listen, you don't need to know that stuff. All you need to do is share your story with love and affection and say, this is what God did in me and I believe he can do it in you. And if people do ask questions, you know the best thing to say? I don't know. But I'll go away and I'll talk to people, I'll look at it, I'll, and I'll come back and have another conversation with you. 
Let's share our story with love and affection. The last thing I see from this amazing verse in Peter is that people should be asking why you're different. Let me read that verse again. Be ready to speak up and tell anyone who asks why you're living the way you are. See, our lives should look so different to those around that people ask us why we're different. I'm in a lot of different kind of secular environments. So basically environments outside of Christian circles. I think one of the biggest things that people notice about me is that I don't swear. Like in the football team or even in networking, like, you know, in the business context, I've had like kind of MDs of businesses apologise for swearing in front of me. Just crazy. Because they know who I am as a Christian. But it's far more than that. We should be the most loving. We should be the most courageous. We should be the most gracious. We should be the most caring. We should protect people. We should stay away from gossip and live lives that line up with the way that Jesus lived. See, if people aren't asking why you're different, you need to ask, are you different? If people aren't asking why you're different, you need to ask yourself the question, are you different? You know, the way Jesus lived was so different that people recognised he was different to those around. If you live a life today infused with the Holy Spirit in conjunction with Jesus, people will notice. They'll look at you like an alien when you walk in on a Monday morning. They'll ask you if you've been smoking something when you say you have a hope for the future. They'll fall off the chair when you speak highly of them because this is countercultural. Where are the Christians in the workplaces that are saying, don't promote me, promote him? Where are the Christians in the workplaces saying, I I, I don't agree with that gossip. I don't want to be a part of it. I want to love that person, even if they've messed up. Where are the Christians in the workplaces bringing hope, bringing a future? Where are the Christians on the news channels who are going to say, you know what? It might look bad, but I've got a, I, I know that God's got a plan. I know that God can do something out of nothing and that he's going to. Where are the Christians who are like that? Because let me tell you, when you live like that, you don't have to be reading Bible verses on a Monday morning. You don't have to be enforcing your views on other people. People will come to you. St. Francis of Assisi said this, preach the gospel at all times. Use words if necessary. And now what I'm not saying this morning is that we shouldn't use words. Words are so important. But the lives we live should line up with the words we say. See, Jesus was so different. It says in the Gospels, I love this about Jesus. I think in Matthew it says that they were amazed at Jesus because he was different to their teachers because he lived what he spoke. That was what was amazing about Jesus. Listen, you will stand out from the crowd when the words you speak line up with the lives you live. Is your life different? Are you living God's way? Are you being caught up in the way of the world? If we can live lives that point to the grace 
unto the mercy of God, to his extraordinary power, and then tell our stories when people ask, we'll see an explosion of salvation across arena. I guarantee it, because it's going to be so contagious, because if people know the life you live, and know how you used to be, and say, look, it wasn't me, it wasn't a self-help manual, it was God, then people are going to have to come and see. People are going to have to come and see. They'll want to be in on it. See, when you live different, with a light spirit, with hope and aspiration, people will be offended. There'll be some people who are offended because that's not the way they live their lives. They'll try and bring you to their level. They'll try and engage you in the gossip. They'll want you to respond to their accusation. But don't react. Be gracious. Love them more. This will highlight God's grace so much more. You don't need to be perfect or a theological mastermind. You don't have to be Phil Pye or Christian thought. You just need to be who you are in Christ. You just need to tell your story and let people know that if God can do it in you, then he can do it in them. God's calling us as a church to influence. God's calling us to make it matter. To make it matter in our workplace to make it matter in our families, to make it matter in our world. We're called to make it matter. And this happens when the people of God live lives that are different and tell the story of why they're different. Your story is powerful. Your story has power to reveal Jesus to people. Your story, uh, you might think it's boring, but let me tell you, it's unique. Your story might be messy, but let me tell you, your story has the power to transform someone's life as Jesus takes hold of it. This morning, if you say, Josh, I've not been sharing my story truthfully. I've been, I have been kind of making it seem like I'm a bit better. You might say, Josh, I, I haven't been honest with people. I've not been sharing my story with love and with affection. I've been a bit in a in a messed up mentality. If you say, Josh, I've not been living a life that's different, I'm going to call you to respond in just a second. If you just bow your head and close your eyes, you're not praying, you're just giving people their privacy. I want to ask this morning, if anything of what I've said today has struck a chord with you, if you say, Josh, I want to share my story effectively, I want God to use my story so that I can make a difference. Josh, I want God to use my story to reveal Jesus to people. If that's you this morning, just stick your hand up in the air. Just chuck your hand up. This hand's going all around the place. You know, one of the points might apply to you a bit more. You want to share your story. You want it to be used for Jesus. God, this hand's going up all around this place. Father, and thank you for, for the fact that you gave us a story. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for changing us, God. Lord, and I pray as Arena Church that we would use our stories effectively, God. Lord, that we'd share our stories with courtesy and love and affection. Lord, that we'd be honest about where we were and what you did in us. God, and that we'd live lives that make a difference, live lives that line up with the words we say. God, I pray right now in this Christmas period, coming up, God, to this amazing time of year where people want to know about you, that we would be effective, God. Lord, that we go into our workplaces, that you give us opportunities, that people would begin to ask us why we're different. 
Empower the people with their hands raised and those with their hands down as well. We love you, Lord. Now just keep your heads bowed just for a second. If you're new here today or it's your hundredth time and you say, I don't know Jesus, I'm going to give you an opportunity in just a second. You might have heard all things, all different things about Jesus, but here's the truth. He loves you and he wants to know you. You know what? Jesus would have died if you were the only person on this planet. He would have come to earth, died and rose again just for you because that's how much he cares about you. You might think that God wants to judge you. It's not true. He wants to get to know you and he wants to transform you. He doesn't want to transform you into me. He doesn't want to transform you into a robot. He wants to transform you back into you, who he made you to be before time began. You say, Josh, I want to know this Jesus this morning. I want to give my life to this Jesus. I just ask you to raise your hand. No one's looking around. It's just me and you. If that's you, thank you. Anyone else you want to step into this relationship with Jesus? Thank you. God, we thank you for these two ladies who've raised their hands, God. Thank you that you're a saving God. Thank you that in your kingdom, mercy triumphs over judgment. Thank you, God, that you care for us, God. And I pray that these people who've raised their hands to you today, God, that they would step into a relationship with you that's dynamic. God, that they'd be honest about the past with you. God, and that they would invite you into their mess. Thank you for what you're doing as God. Thank you for transforming us. And I pray that you would transform these two ladies, God, in your mighty name. We love you and we honour you, God. Amen.